Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Friday edition of Outkick 360 underway from 6th and Peabody with Yaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up in 20 minutes, Armando Salguero of Outkick.com will join us. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, a bit later in today's show. They're coming up in an hour. The latest on the SEC, Tennessee, and more. Plenty of headline scores and the Masters leaderboard throughout today's show as well, where Tiger will be wrapping up his round, round two, during our show. And we'll keep you updated on the uh, adjusted cut line for all of that, where he's bordering missing the cut, depending on where that ends up and how the conditions fare for the rest of the, the rest of the field that's about to tee off or is currently underway on the, the first nine there in Augusta. Not pretty. It's pretty, not, not, great, been a, not been a pretty day. There's been a couple great guys. Great for Charles. Charles Schwartzel. Schwartzel's had a good day. He made a run. Morikawa's had a good day. There's Matsuyama. been a few. Yeah, Matsuyama's making, made a charge. But other than that, it's been ugly with the wind conditions at Augusta. There was uh, some talk that Matsuyama may not be able to go because of uh, back and shoulder and elbow issues. And he's clearly doing more than just powering through. Meanwhile, Louis Oosthuizen pulled out um, of the the Masters this morning. He was a part of uh, Tiger's group yesterday. Casey also uh, withdrew. For what reason? I don't know. I just see him at the at the bottom. So uh, I'm sure you guys hit this yesterday, on Thursday, former Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator Ray Horton joined the uh, class action lawsuit that Brian Flores put together against Miami and named some other teams. The Titans are now mentioned in this lawsuit because Ray Horton, former Titans defensive coordinator, um, says that his interview was a sham. And now I see the group think media jump on board behind this uh, saying that the, the Titans should be embarrassed with their hiring practices and so on and so forth. And Paul has got me thinking, where was this discussion at the time when, I mean, that those that are in, in the city of Nashville and across the league that act like malarkey getting the job wasn't a known fact in this city for months. Um, you're not doing your job. If in 2022, you're just now coming to your senses on that. And they're playing a clip from Malarkey in 2020 from two years ago saying he was going to get the job. Everybody knew he was going to get the job. And here's how we knew. When the Titans interviewed general manager candidates, they were pairing them with uh, Mike Malarkey. And it was, it was known then that they were being asked whether or not they would retain Mike Malarkey. It was no secret. And so this groupthink columnist mentality that somehow the Titans are racist because they didn't give Ray Horton a fair shot. I mean, Terrell Austin was interviewed. Ray Horton was interviewed. And I'll say Ray Horton made such an impression on Amy Adams Strunk. He got an interview as Ken Wisenhunt's defensive coordinator. Ken Wisenhunt was fired because he sucked. 
And Ray Horton got an interview because Amy Adams Trunk thought he was worthy of being uh, a part of the interview process. They interviewed, what, four or five candidates? Terrell Terrell Austin, Horton, Malarkey, and Doug Marone. And uh, I I recall at the time doing a radio show here in Nashville saying that Malarkey was going to get the job, and we were saying how... It was a foregone conclusion. We were objecting to it. We wanted a bigger list. I heard, I, I read Joe Rexford's yeah, column at The Athletic, and he called this interview a sham and said Amy Adams Trunk should be ashamed, and they should be ashamed of the statement they put out yesterday. Joe, I hate to break it to you. They followed the NFL rules. Sorry, but the, that's, that's what happened here. And my opinion then is my opinion now. We knew Malarkey was getting the job. Ray Horton, Ray Horton, makes, knew. Ray, Ray Horton knew, had such an impression on Amy Adams Trunk, he interviewed for the position. But guess who made a better impression? The interim head coach, Mike Malarkey. And when Amy took over as the controlling owner, which was that same year, a franchise in turmoil, she was looking for some type of consistency and someone that she felt like she could trust. That person was Mike Malarkey. That's not Ray Horton's fault, and it's not because he's black. That has nothing to do with it here. If you don't agree with the Rooney rule, it's okay to say you don't agree with the Rooney rule. And in, in, in theory, uh, in, 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 if put in place the proper way, it should get more minority candidates in front of those making hires. But they should not be condemned if they don't hire a minority candidate. So uh, what I'm reading is the Titans are racist because they have Vrabel as a head coach and John Robinson as their general manager. That's what anybody that said anything about Ray Horton yesterday is saying about those two guys today. Both of whom are very good at their job, just got uh, deserved extensions. We talked about this extensively Am I wrong in thinking yesterday? Like in, 20, in 2018, no, this is 2016. 16. 2016, when all this is going on, it was, it was known Malarkey was going to get the job, and it took him four years later to say that after he was out. And John Robinson brought in Mike Vrabel. Vrabel, by the way, who was hired within five days of Malarkey being out. And at the time, they they went with the guy they wanted to hire, which was Mike Vrabel. And it was the right hire. I'm tired of this, oh, these these owners aren't hiring uh, minority candidates, so there's racial discrimination going on. And that's just not true. Well, here's... here's, You you can hire the best candidate, and that candidate be white. Here's also the truth about it. these guys, Doug Marone included, they want to show interviews for jobs. They want that news out there. They, they want to be interviewed. It, it helps them possibly land future jobs. So if you want to be mad about a sham hiring process, which it was, and I'll go back and say the only criticism the Titans deserve is for keeping Mike Malarkey and for going through the sham process. It's not for being racist. There's nothing racist about this. If someone needs to be pissed off, it's Doug Marone. Why was Doug Marone interviewed? I mean, you have got one, a really good agent. The, the, the Rooney Rule, right? Is is one minority candidate back right. then? It was now it's two. So one. So and she interviewed two. Either Ray Horton or Terrell Austin could be pissed about going through a sham process. The other one is just fulfilling the rule that happened with all this. I, I and Ray Horton knew what was going on at the time. This is a guy who hadn't had a job in a while. That's. Jumping on this now, you know, years after the fact, two years after Mike Malarkey said this, um, it's to say that, and I I read Joe Rexroad's column too, to say that they should be ashamed. If you want to be ashamed about something, it's the fact that you made up your mind while also filling the need 
feeling the need to go out there and prove that, man, we're really we're, we're turning up stones and we're looking around for all of this and not just admitting we like our interim guy, which happens all the time, because a lot of times you are more familiar and comfortable with someone that has worked with you before. Admitting that, fulfilling the Rooney rule, playing by the rules, interviewing Ray Horton in-house, getting that out of the way, and hiring Mike Malarkey, which Ray Horton knew was going to happen the entire time. Then do that and don't go through this charade. Yeah, but my, point is, my point is they're well, not they going to waste by their law, time. By rule. They're not going to waste their time if, in fact, you think there's racial discrimination by doing more than what the rule says and states you have to do at the time. They did do more. That's, they did my, do that's more. what I said. Yeah, right. that, that's what I'm saying. You're not going to waste your time by doing more if you're racially discriminating against minority candidates, which well, is not the I, case I, here. I, again, I, I think that they're, they were dumb to just – the whole thing now just screams of they knew that it was going to be unpopular, which it was, which I hated at the time also. So they had this fake – thing of we're going to bring in multiple candidates and show that, well, we interview different people, but we always were going back to Mike Malarkey because while we did our due diligence, he was always the best candidate instead of just doing what everyone in that organization was told at the time. And I've talked to people who were in the room the whole time who knew exactly what was going to happen and just fulfilling the Rooney rule than hiring Mike Malarkey. Yeah, but Chad, that, they felt at the time for optics, is, it would have looked better for them. This is and I think we would all agree they knew for optics that it, in the city it was going to be perceived better if they interviewed multiple people. And that's why they did it, even though they knew they were going to hire Mike Malarkey. Well, part of what you have to do, part of the rule is, even if you've made up your mind, you bring in some other people on the off chance they, they change your mind. I think the Steelers were about to hire... Russ Grimm or somebody else, when they interviewed Mike Tomlin, this is the thing that triggered the whole thing. He impressed them so much, they changed their mind. It hasn't happened frequently. The rule hasn't worked like that. But like you said, they, they did follow the rule. Well, no, no, like I'm saying, that doesn't make them racist. No. no. And listen, if you, uh, here's what I, my biggest that, beef that's with Joe's the, with that's Joe's the issue piece, I'm having with all these pieces being written all of a sudden. My is, biggest issue with Joe's piece was that he failed to mention that the Titans are a pioneering organization for uh, a different level of race, a racial issue in the NFL. They're a pioneering organization for black quarterbacks. With Warren Moon, with Steve McNair. I think in anything where you're saying they should be embarrassed about not having had a minority GM or minority uh, head coach, you, you're obligated well, to mention they have been a pioneering organization for black quarterbacks, which is, by the way, no longer an issue in the NFL. It used to be. And Bud Adams is part of the reason it's no longer an issue. Because he went out of his way to bring Warren Moon to his team. And because he was, uh, uh, his organization went out of its way to give a kid from Alcorn State an opportunity. And black quarterback is not much of a conversation in the NFL anymore. Who was the, the third interview? I agree, by the way, with Who that. Who was the third? Uh, Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes. So in 2018, when Malar- Malarkey... Uh, Vrabel. When Malarkey's out, Vrabel's brought in. They, they interview three. And this happens over a span of five days. Uh, they interview Vrabel, Matt LaFleur, and Steve Wilkes, all three of whom end up as head coaches in the NFL. And the Titans end up hiring two guys. They hire Vrabel, and then they pair him with uh, Matt LaFleur as their offensive coordinator. A year later, LaFleur's the head coach in, in Green Bay. 
My point being, you can't go back to the malarkey thing and say racial discrimination and point to what's happened since then and not bring that up too, which was not brought up. And what you're saying by calling the 2016 interview process an embarrassment and being they should be ashamed, you're saying that about this too. You're saying that they shouldn't have hired Vrabel and Robinson because they're white. And I, I completely disagree with that. I think ownership across the league should be able to hire the most qualified candidate. That's what I would want as a fan, regardless of race or, or any type of discriminating factors that people are trying to make uh, a point of emphasis with right now. I like the Rooney rule in, 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 theory. In, in theory. But does that mean that the teams, because they're interviewing candidates based on the Rooney rule, have to then hire those candidates? No. Absolutely not. What if a, that were the case, where's everyone standing up on their pillar saying that Eric Bieniemy should be a head coach in the league right now? Now all of a sudden off. it's, oh, he doesn't interview well. Because yeah. he's interviewed several places, which, by the way, Ray Horton also did. Ray Horton has interviewed multiple places. He's and I would compare right him now. more. I would compare. I'm talking about for head coaching jobs. I would compare him more to Eric Bieniemy than I would, you know, Steve Wilkes, who was a one and done and was replaced by. I'm trying to remember. Was it Cliff Bruce Kingsbury. Arians? No, it was Ray Horton who was the interim oh. in Arizona and was replaced by um, Arians, and then Cliff Kingsbury got the job. That's right. After Wilkes. Um. I mean, I think Wilkes makes a better argument in his situation, which is a different different story here. And Wilkes got screwed over there. I mean, any one-year coach, unless he oversees a complete disaster, but, but, okay. is getting short let, let me Let me ask it this way then. And I know we're not arguing here, but I, I can't. I, there are so many other points to be made that just get left out there. A year from now, if we get to a point, guys, where Sean Payton interviews for the Dallas Cowboys job, Guess who's getting that job? Yeah, Sean Payton's getting it. And Sean Payton is deserving of that job. Yes. That doesn't make Dallas racist. Correct. Here's another thing being used against the Titans. Pro Football Talk dug this up yesterday. That Steve Underwood said this in January of 2016. Steve Underwood, the former president of the Titans. Somewhere during that process, I think it coalesced for Amy, and she had made the decision she already knew Mike she had a comfort level with Mike. This is Mike Malarkey. But she wanted to reach out and look around and make sure there was not any other viable candidate for her in terms of our club and where we were going. That also fits, now me talking, that also fits with the Rooney rule. She's allowed to do that. And you can't get inside her head. She's allowed to hire who she wants. She's allowed to have a comfort level with somebody. She went above and beyond the Rooney rule in interviewing two minority candidates. I don't know that this makes her guilty of anything. In fact, I'm confident it doesn't make her guilty of anything. By the way, she also had owned the team for less than a year. She was looking for a comfort level. And let's remind everybody, we were blasting her at the time yes. for hiring Mike Malarkey, yes. for having this comfort level with Mike Malarkey. He was a two-time loser as a head coach. We were saying we wanted other people on this list. We didn't like Horton. We didn't like Marone. We didn't like, who am I forgetting here? Um, Terrell Austin. Austin, we wanted a more expansive list. Is this the search where Steve Underwood came out and said, no, it might have been the Vrabel search, where he came out and said we had a list of 300 candidates that we called down or whatever. We were making fun of that at another stage. I don't, but know, at any I don't point, know which one I don't know was. which one it was. It was, it was one of the two. <laughs> but Right, that was bad. But on our show, and what I wrote was, get a better list. 
Look at better candidates. Take your time. There are better people out there than Mike Malarkey. And guess what? Two years later, she decided, you know what? I agree with John Robinson. Mike Malarkey's not the best guy for this team. And they went out and they hired a, guess what? A better guy. A guy who's one of the and, and you know, one of the six best coaches in the they, league. And right they didn't now, go probably. hire Mark Ross or Martin Mayhew when they hired John Robinson. They interviewed both of those guys too, um, and they made the right decision for this organization. I, my my old thought on this is I, I just don't see how you jump from one point to the other by saying it's racially discriminating because you're abiding by the rules set forth in the uh, set forth in the NFL that you should be ashamed by interviewing a minority candidate because you have to, and then selecting a candidate that you feel is right for your organization, which is an organization you own. Uh, and which, I, by the way, he took him to the playoffs. Mike Malarkey, as, as yes. we had qualms with game. him. He hired bad On the road at he hired, had bad offensive coordinator and, and was, was bad in a lot of ways, outdated, dinosaur. He got a team to the playoffs and then got fired. Well, there's nothing – also with Mike Malarkey, who, who I like and is a very honest, good person, right? And he's talking about his – he was asked about his biggest regrets in his career, and he goes into this story about how I've always prided myself on doing the right things in business. I can't say that's true about everybody else. And goes into I really regret this, knowing that people that I knew were going through the interview process with me knowing I was the head coach already. Right. And that it, the whole thing was a sham, and he goes into that. Now, he doesn't say in here that – you know, I, I, I regret being involved with a racist organization and uh, working for racist Amy Adams Strunk in this. There's nothing about race in this. It's just that he knowingly went through a sham interview process after already being told and knowing he was going to be the head coach, and he allowed people in the business to go through that process. So that's a clear distinction. I hit on this yesterday too, Hutton. The Rooney rule has not worked. I think there were good intentions behind it. And one of the reasons I don't think it works is if you want to ensure that you're going to get a bunch of rich, powerful, billionaire people that run industry, run businesses to not do something, it's to try to force them to do something. And I think that's part of this problem. I think in fulfilling obligation and making it an obligation, it's almost lessened the propensity for these owners to hire minority candidates. I, I just don't, I don't understand how we focus on the national football league as any different than any corporation, any big company, small company for that matter across this country where you can run a, a radio ad that says equal opportunity employer. And if that company wants to hire from within, they're going to open it up for resumes and you know, who's going to get the job. If that person is getting elevated from VP to president or from program director to operations manager, it's not difficult to figure out relationships matter. And the, the point of the Rooney rule is to get people in front of decision makers to form relationships. But if the owner wants to go with someone he trusts more and someone he knows more, in this case, the interim head coach that, I mean... It, the organization was drowning with Ken Wisenhunt and with Tommy Smith running things into the ground. This was the Titanic. Pardon the pun on the Titans. This was the Titanic. And there was a lifeboat there. It didn't last very long. But it was one of the few available, and they went with it. And guess what? They got the GM hire perfect. Perfect for this area. A guy from, from Tennessee who 
Well, by the way, caved in. He surely, I guarantee you, John Robinson did not want there are, Mike Malarkey as his head coach when he got here. He conceded it in order to get the job. I mean, you know that Mike the, Malarkey the, the, the later. Is, like, this, this, this is the thing that just pisses me off about the reporting of this yesterday. You can go back to when Malarkey was named head coach. You can find that in the Tennessean. And in that report, it says verbatim that the interview process for the GM Many were saying that they were asked whether or not they would remove Mike Malarkey as a candidate when they were interviewed for general manager. That's in 2016. And we're referencing an interview four years later with Mike Malarkey saying it. We knew this when the guy was hired. So stop acting like this was brushed under the rug here. It wasn't. It was obvious. He certainly did, though. This interview crystallizes. It puts it on paper, so to speak, for Horton to quote-unquote have a case, you know. I just this have thing a hard was time dead and buried Horton. before this. I have a real hard time believing Horton didn't know or believe that it was going to be Malarkey. No, right. But this I mean, puts he's it in that building. He talks to people. Right. But for a lawsuit, this puts it on paper on the record. Somebody saying it. That Underwood comment does too, though that had been buried. If Ray Horton wants to join this case, and Ray Horton's out of the league now for some time, uh, well, since nineteen, I yeah, think. Yeah. So for a year. Um, now going into his second year, that Malarkey interview doesn't help their case. Now, you weren't here yesterday. I went back. Ray Horton, the day after Malarkey got the job, um, the guy from the Fritz Pollard Alliance, John Wooten, told the Tennessean that Horton felt it was unfair and uh, he, was, he was embarrassed or ashamed of the way it went down. Ray Horton called me. Yeah. And said he wanted to set the record straight. He was pleased to have been interviewed. He felt good about it. Amy was going to take some of his uh, uh, ideas and, and use them. He was working on a contract extension. Now, Wooten may have expressed what he actually felt. He may have been smoothing things, trying to save his career, all of that. Well, but there was a time a where on the, record, on the record, he said he was happy with things. He wanted to smooth that out, not cause any kind of uproar at that point. And I'm sure that'll come up in, in the case that he, at one point he said what he said to me as opposed to what he's saying now. Certainly that was also before Mike Malarkey on the record said he felt like it was But my, my point is general managers four years prior to when Ray Horton's pointing to when Malarkey went on the record said that they were asked their thoughts on Mike Malarkey in the interview. So uh, to, to say that then, it was known then. That's my point. It was known then. They were interviewing general manager candidates and pairing them with Malarkey. It was an arranged marriage. It's no different than uh, Vrabel and Lafleur being paired together. That's as obvious as it gets, too. But it doesn't mean it's the wrong hire. Just because you don't hire the minority candidate doesn't mean that it's the wrong hire. Uh, because no one's saying that about Vrabel or Robinson right now. And if you feel that way about Malarkey, then the general manager interview process was a sham as well. But I haven't seen anyone write that. They interviewed minority candidates for that too. Well, what's being written is that the Titans should be ashamed because they've never had a minority GM or head coach. So is that Rex Road calling for Vrabel and Robinson to be fired because they're white? I mean, I guess it's oh. him calling for them to hire a minority whenever it's over with the NFL but, coach of the year. I mean, what are Mike we getting Vrabel to this past year? Like, hire the best candidate. 
Uh, maybe I'm naive in thinking that that's how I would handle things. I, I, I mean, that that is how I would. Look, and I'm I firmly that, believe. I'm hoping that NFL ownership does the same thing. They want to win, yes, don't they? Yes, I firmly believe that racism exists in this world. You're naive to say it doesn't. All those things are true, and it is racist to exclude someone from a process based on race. That didn't happen here. There's well, no evidence of it. I don't believe it happened here. I also think the flip side of this is true. It is racist to say I'm hiring this race when you go into a process. That is racism. So if, you, if it's Joe Rexroad or anyone else writing this and saying, you know, no matter what, we've got to put this person in the Supreme Court or we have to hire this person of this sex and this race for this job right now. If you were going into a process saying that, that too is racism. And it's not looking for the best candidate. I, like most people, want to see more diversity among head coaches in GMs NFL, and I hope we get there at some point. But I'm also not going to put some edict out there for every team to go and say, you must hire this race next. Right. This is on you. If not, you are an embarrassment, and you should be well, ashamed. I'm, I'm that glad, is embarrassing. I'm glad since Washington hired Martin Mayhew that they're not an embarrassment to the NFL. Like that, that's what this column would say, is that Martin Mayhew, who was passed up by the Titans, was hired by the Washington Redskins. Uh, Daniel Snyder should not be ashamed of that hire because they their their organization is just in perfect condition. Yeah, Th- that their hiring process is in perfect shape. Yep. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick three sixty. Um, Armando Salguero is about to join us. NFL headlines with Armando next on Outkick three sixty. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. We are officially less than one month from the NFL Draft, Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Armando Salguero covers the NFL for Outkick.com, uh, where you can find all kinds of news and info at the site on a daily basis. Uh, we click our tab, watch videos uh, that are posted daily there. You can read his work as well. Under the Contributor tab, it's that simple to find. Armando Salguero, who joins us weekly. Armando, great to see you as always. So are you guys going to address the, uh, you know, the, the issue in the room, the gorilla in the room? Are you going to uh, get to it right away or, or you're just not going to go at it? What, what, what gorilla would that be? Well, so it's Friday, right? I, I don't 
normally do oh, your show. Yeah, yeah. I, we I, normally we, do it on Thursday. We were going to let you discuss this, Armando, if you were if you were comfortable discussing. How, how are you doing right now? Let's start with that. Well, I'm smarter today than I was yesterday because yesterday I decided that of all the five gajillion boxes that I have in my garage and um, strewn all over my house, including this lovely thing right here, I was going to move them all, all of them, by myself in Florida in the middle of the day. And that didn't work. It didn't. Bobby said, you know what? We understand that your spirit is willing, but we don't want to cooperate. And so I got a little dehydrated. I had to get an IV at halftime and afterward. And it's not easy. I don't know how NFL players do it. Get IV at halftime and they play the second half. I got an IV at halftime and they kept me like for two hours to watch me. So obviously I am not a world-class athlete. Shocker. So it did not occur to you while you were moving boxes to occasionally pause and take a drink? Paul, I am a very focused individual. <laughs> uh, and when driven. I think of boxes and moving them, I rarely think of water. Okay. So it didn't, it didn't dawn on me, apparently. Armando, we're, we're glad you're with us, no matter the day. Let's put that out there. We're also just glad you're with us based on how you felt yesterday, right? So that, that's also first and foremost there. Um, are you headed out to the draft? Are you headed to Vegas in a month? I'm going to Las Vegas, yes. Yes, okay, okay. Um, I, I, I will be there before the draft. The draft yes. is the draft, right? <laughs> there, there will be... Um, there's going to be hype. There will be intrigue. People will watch. Uh, let, let's just say that first right out of the shoot here. But with the without the quarterback hype, and with so many teams selecting early with multiple picks, are you feeling the same lull that I am a month prior to the NFL selection process here? There will be hype, but I'm not sure it's necessarily what it always is. Oh, you're right, Jonathan. It's it's not the same buzz as what, you know, the last few years have been where we know that, an, you know, a quarterback, likely an elite quarterback is going to go number one in 2020. They went one, two, and five, I think, uh, and six. So I, I get it. Um, there isn't that one you know, shining star supernova or two, perhaps, or three, like there have been some years that, you know, capture everyone's imagination. But I would say this to you, while the average person, you and I, aren't a flutter with quarterback talk, and we're not all that convinced that any of the quarterbacks are going to be great or elite, I would say to you that the people in the NFL that I talk to, especially those that need quarterbacks, uh, they are a flutter and they are excited and there is hype in their building and they are going through their processes every bit as directly and completely as what 
uh, a draft that had Trevor Lawrence or a track, a draft that had, you know, any number of the, the top quarterbacks uh, coming out. So no, not us, but you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Carolina Panthers, all those other teams that need a quarterback, the Seattle Seahawks, uh, they're excited about this draft and the quarterbacks available. Armando, I feel like every week there's a new connection made between Tom Brady and the Miami Dolphins, that at some point we're going to force this marriage to happen, whether it's quarterback, owner, GM, coach, something, that we're going to finally get these two together. Uh, what do you think about the latest uh, with the rumors about you know partial ownership of the Dolphins and everything else that went into this? It feels like we just can't escape Tom Brady and the Dolphins and the Stephen Ross connection. Right. So I wrote about this last week on OutKick. Um, it's not us. It's not the media making all these connections. I don't own a yacht. <laughs> and I didn't, you know, Tom Brady to come on that yacht and talk about ownership of the Miami Dolphins and maybe even playing for the Miami Dolphins. That was Steve Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, who owned that yacht and made that invitation and had that lunch with Tom Brady. So, and if you wonder if it happened or not, read about it in Brian Flores's uh, discrimination lawsuit against the NFL, which includes some interesting sidelights and interesting moments during his time as the Dolphins head coach. Something else you wrote at OutKick uh, that, that caught my eye was Pete Carroll at the owners' meetings coming after the owners about the lack of diversity with head coaches and GMs. But, Armando, you pointed out something very interesting and hypocritical about Pete Carroll himself and his hiring practices. Well, you know, there's a, there's a saying, um, rules for thee but not for me. So, look, I don't believe Pete Carroll uh, by any means tries to – um, sway his hiring one way or the other. But the fact remains, he's hired four or five offensive coordinators in Seattle with the Seahawks in his since two, 2010. They're all white. He's hired four, I believe, quarterback coaches for the Seattle Seahawks during his time in Seattle. They're all white. Before that, he spent three seasons with the New England Patriots, and he hired three offensive coordinators. They were all white, and he had multiple quarterback coaches, and they were all white. And the reason I'm mentioning these offensive coaches is the NFL last week, they were instituting a rule whereby they recognized that most of the head coach hirings now are on the offensive side of the football. Most of them either come from an offensive coordinator job or a quarterback coach job. And most of those coaches are white. And so when, when Pete Carroll gets up in front of his peers and says, Hey, you know what? Uh, owners need to get, comfortable with the idea of hiring head coaches that don't look like them. <laughs> Pete, look at your record, brother. I mean, 
maybe maybe you should address that first. Mow your own lawn before you step in someone else's yard. Let's go back to Ross for a second. Um, in the amended complaint, um, Flores says that he memorialized um, details of, of being asked to, to lose, uh, incentivized to lose, and that he took that to Chris Greer and a couple other, maybe three or four other executives with the Dolphins. So the question now is what did Greer and those executives do with that information? Did they take it back to Ross and ask questions? Did they take it to anybody at the league's Park Avenue offices? What do you think happened with that information? Uh, uh, how much is that a part of the investigation now? How concerned, how much does that amp things up for Ross? Right. Well, it's all going to be a part of the investigation, Paul, uh, all of it, including the memorialized email. And this is what I would say to you. Uh, if that was the first time that Brian Flores recognized that he was uh, the 2019 season for the Miami Dolphins was about tanking. Uh, I don't believe him because the fact of the matter is everyone knew that's what the plan was for 2019. I wrote in January of 2019 when I was working at the Miami Herald that Steve Ross conducted coach interviews and mentioned the word tank and tanking. And if he did it with one, I assume he did it with others. The Brian Flores contract that he signed basically was, you know, at a time that most coaches were signing four-year contracts, he got an extra year. And clearly the reason for that is his agency knew, his representation knew that his first year was basically a red shirt quote unquote tanking year and that he needed four legitimate years to be employed to make it work in Miami. So the fact that he memorialized this, great. Guess what? You knew it before you ever memorialized anything. But the fact that he memorialized it is one more little piece of the puzzle that looks very bad for the Miami Dolphins and specifically for Steve Ross. Can you imagine the, the number of teams that have tried to lose on purpose, you know, the, for draft purposes, for the number one overall picks? There, sometimes, you know, teams win their way out of a number one overall pick and you shake your head going, what did they just do? I mean, there, there was a, it was the Saints or someone. It was the Saints. Saints, a handful of years ago, or clearly they were trying to lose. And uh, they took their starters out at halftime. No, I think it was the Bucks against the Saints. Bucks against the Saints. The starters were removed at halftime, and it pretty clear what was what was on the line there. And I think the Saints had to had to win to get in or something. They needed help, and the Bucks were trying to get a higher pick. It was at the Winston draft that the Titans drafted second, and not first. Point being, this is not the first time or the last time this will happen, as long as the draft process is set up this way. Except that Jonathan, this is different. Because this was planned from the outset of the season. The Miami Dolphins basically were a 79 team in 2016, 20, well, not 2016, 2018, last year of Adam Gase. And Steve Ross fired him because, quote unquote, he wanted to win. And 
they went about a, a implementing a plan to actually tank. They got rid of players, not the least of which is Ryan Tannehill, who went to Tennessee. Um, they got rid of players so that they could have a roster and they they had a roster in place that was basically a triple-A roster. That was from the outset of the season. That wasn't a uh, a situation where, you know, it's it's Christmas and you've decided the last two games of the season you might help yourself in the draft if you're not doing so great. That's a whole different conversation than we're planning this from the outset. This is the roster we're putting out there. Whoever we have that are good veterans that produce, we're probably getting rid of them. And we're just going towards eyes towards the future. Those are two different conversations. It, it, we're watching it happen in Houston, though. That's my point. I can say the, the Texans are doing exactly the same thing right now with moving forward with the roster they have. But they're still going to put their best team on the field, presumably, and ask those guys to try to win the game. Yeah, but we all know what that – Houston is among the six or seven teams Paul was referencing in the first segment. We know they're not winning the Super Bowl or going to the playoffs. No. We know that. But the team they field, they're going to ask to try to win. I mean, that's the difference. Jacksonville can at least say they tried to spend record money in free agency. Maybe dumb, but at least the Jags did that. Well, there, I, I think there's a difference between putting a team on the field that you know is going to lose – and then putting the team together for the season and then going to the head coach and saying, coach them the now loser. here's more money to make sure we lose all these games this season. Make in-game Instead decisions that'll Instead of go lose. out there and do your best coach with this terrible roster and let's see what happens. That's the differentiation. Well, I understand. The problem for the Dolphins was that once Brian Flores got reins of the organization, and make no mistake, that's exactly what he did. He took over the organization he was not on the let's tank, you know, bandwagon. He was like not doing that as far as practice, playing, calling, uh, lineups. You got to remember the Dolphins had Josh Rosen uh, on the team, and Josh Rosen had washed out after one year with Arizona, and he was brought to Miami via a second round and fifth round pick trade. And everyone was saying, okay, let's see what Josh Rosen has so that at least you know what you've got going forward. And Flores played Josh Rosen, I think it was like one game, and then benched him and didn't play him the rest of the season because he recognized that Ryan Fitzpatrick, a veteran, gave the team a better chance to win. And he stuck with Ryan Fitzpatrick, stuck with his guns, despite the fact that even the media, and I was there, I, I saw it, were saying, play, play the unproven guy, see what you got. But no, he went with the better player to try to win games. Armando, feel better. Uh, have a great Drink weekend. Up. Yes. Drink up. Drink your fluids. Always hydrate, Armando, especially when and, you go to Vegas in a couple weeks. And Definitely we will, hydrate uh, there, too. We'll catch up next week, but we uh, we appreciate the, yeah. the, the loyalty to the show to at least move it back 24 hours, even though you're not feeling well. Yeah, drink up. Famous last words. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're the best. Thank you, man. Thanks, Armando. 
Armando there, uh, Armando Sarguero, Outkick.com. Headlines and a Masters leaderboard next on Outkick 360. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, Chad Withrow, give us the latest Masters leaderboard update. What's Tiger up to? It's so funny on my computer right now. I can go to the Masters Live app, yeah, and it'll have the, the actual Masters on there with a leaderboard, but it's about a minute and a half behind everything else, and then I can go to ESPN Plus and watch on my computer and see things happening live. So I'm going to go to the, the leaderboard that's at the Masters app and just cross my fingers and pray that it's up to date. Scotty Scheffler is the leader right now at four under par. Uh, he is through nine, which he's probably through 11 at this point, but who knows? Song J.M. is at three under par. Charles Schwartzel at three under par. Dustin Johnson and Harold Varner the third at two under, along with Kevin Na, who is one under for the day through 12 at two under par. Joaquin Neiman also at two under. Last year's Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama at two under par. Other notables, Colin Morikawa. Now at one under, Will Zalatoris also at one under. And Tiger Woods has righted the ship so far today. Plus three on the day, but it looked like it was headed way south for him. He picks up a birdie. He is now at plus two for the tournament. Projected cut at plus four. Looking at some people right around that cut line. By the way, Justin Thomas joins Tiger Woods now at plus two. He's having a much better day. Zach Johnson is at plus four. Mark Leishman at plus four. The American Lucas Glover at plus four. Captain America himself, Patrick Reed, is at plus three. Those are some notable names right around the cut line. And Willett has fallen back. Willett is uh, two over for the day and now minus one on the tournament. So he was your leader, and now he's fallen back. Yeah, and also uh, two big notable names, Americans. Brooks Kepka and Jordan Spieth, done for the day, plus six. So two strokes below the current projected cut line. Scotty Scheffler, your leader right now at four under through nine. Charles Schwartzel and SJM at three under right behind the leader going into Saturday. We'll keep you updated on Tigers' second nine and the cut line for the Masters. And we get an update on the SEC, Tennessee, and more next with Brent Hubs and Austin Price of VolQuest.com. This is Outkick 360.